And thank you very much, uh, worship team, as always. Thank you so much for helping prepare our hearts for the word. Now that the uh, children are gone, we'll settle in for the lengthier portion of our service. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, hey, by the way, uh, this morning we need to say uh, congratulations to Harnett Central High School going to the state playoffs. <laughs> and... One of the coaches, our very own Joe Caps, back here. Yeah. I should know this, Joe. Who do you guys play? Piece of cake, Asheville. If it's a Charlotte team, we're worried. But Asheville, we ain't worried about them. And it's what time at Carter-Finley on Saturday? 3.30. Carter-Finley on Saturday. So if you can make it, be there and support the Harnett Central Trojans. Am I right about that? That's terrible. That is absolutely terrible that I had to ask that. Well, um, Saturday's a big day. Sunday's a big day also. We're going to have a baptismal service here next week. And um, uh, if if you are interested in being baptized, we've talked about in the book of First Peter the importance of baptism. So if you're interested, please speak with me after the service this morning. Let's set up a time to talk this week. And if nobody comes, then we will not have a baptismal service. But it, it, if you have not been baptized, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have not been baptized, let me encourage you to take that important step, that very important step of um, obedience and also a, a proclamation to the world that you belong to Jesus. Well, today is an important day here at Grace Community Church. We're going to do something that we've never done before, at least not since I've been here. We haven't done this. We're going to have our annual church business meeting as a part of the service. Uh, at the end of our end of the sermon, we're going to take just a moment to stand up and sing maybe one round of that, Oh, Come Let Us Adore Him, maybe two. Uh, and if you're a visitor and you really don't want to stay here, you can slip out. Um, for the rest of you, the doors are locked. It's just no... Don't even try. If you are a part of the Grace Community family, please plan on staying here for this. Whether you're a member or not, please plan on staying. Whether you actually participate in the uh, in the voting or not of the budget, uh, but please stay. It's it's an important part. I, I know that some of you don't like to even think about church meetings on Sunday when we dismiss, stay gone for about fifteen minutes, and then and then reconvene. But you know, this a couple of years ago we did a, a series on the church. Uh, on, on the different elements uh, of worship that are incorporated into a church service. And if if the writings of the apostles like Peter and Paul were read and were part of the worship service, then we have to conclude that even greetings and announcements are a part of our worship before the Lord. Surely, as we think about what God would have us to do this year and how it's going to be funded, then that would be a part of our submission to the Lord and our worship before him. So, uh, please stay if you, if, if at all possible, and we'll talk just briefly, hopefully briefly. I mean, it might, you know, we, we might need those guards back there for other things than just keeping you in here. We might need them to bring order. I don't think so. We, we only have one of these meetings a year. I'm very, very grateful for that, and, and we'll talk about, um, uh, a little bit, just a little bit about elder rule. I think it's appropriate that as we come to this time of meeting, the Lord has sovereignly uh, structured it so that First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 is our text where we talk about elders. This is not so much about 
a supporting elder rule, although it does implicitly. But it's about how the elders are to lead those who are following in the church. So all of that coming together this morning, uh, on, on this Sunday morning in December. If you would, uh, please stand as we read our text together. We're going to read 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. The Apostle Peter is reading, not uh, tried to combine Paul and Peter. That's not a good thing, generally. But Peter is writing to this church, and he, he, he changes his focus from the church as a whole to the leaders of the church. And he says in verse 1, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Father, those last words that we read are sobering words. You oppose the proud, you give grace to the humble. Lord, we know where we want to be on that, on, on which side of the equation we want to be. And uh, Lord, we... Um, ask that you would create humility in us. And oftentimes that is not done in the ways that we would prefer. But we pray that you would help us to respond to you and to life with humility. And as we come before you and bow before you, as we seek to receive your word, we pray that we would do so with humble hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you and be seated. You know, the very first words in this uh, chapter are quite interesting. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Um, as, that Peter, it's, it's interesting that he addresses the church leaders as a fellow elder. But let's think just a moment about the use of the term elder. Peter addresses the elder, the elders in the, in the church, and he's speaking to the elder men, uh, elders who are men in this church, in the first four verses, then in verse five, he talks about the young men. It may not say young men in your translation, but that's in the Greek. He's talking to the young men of the church. Uh, in the first century, most of the leaders in the Jewish synagogues were older men. Same was true in the church. Men were considered either to be young or old in the first century. There was no middle age. And, and 40 was pretty much the, the the breaking point. You know, if you were 39, you were a young man. If you were 41, you were an old man. Maybe you were middle age at 40. Uh, probably 40, you were considered old. You had experience and you were looked to uh, as someone who was qualified to lead. But the church was not unfamiliar with younger leaders. My goodness, Jesus was approximately 30 years old, somewhere around 30 years old when he began his ministry. Paul was a relatively young man when he began his service for Jesus, as was Timothy. And also the apostle John was quite young when he 
was established as one of the leaders of the church. He was in his in his twenties when when he was established as a leader in the in the church at Jerusalem, which was really the the standard for churches in all the world. So it's not the case that the churches were unfamiliar or uncomfortable with younger men serving as leaders. And in this passage, it is quite clear with the, that when Peter addresses the elders, he is addressing the leaders of the church. He's directing his comments to church leaders, not just church leaders who were older. Now, it's significant that, that Peter addresses these leaders as a fellow elder. Think about that for just a moment. Peter is saying, I come to you as one who has been in your shoes, who knows what you're going through, as a fellow elder. Does that sound like the words of the first pope to you? I mean, is that the way the first pope would address these church leaders? I'm one of you. I don't, it doesn't seem that way to me at all. I know what you're going through, he said, and let me encourage you as one who has served in the same manner as you. And then Peter immediately establishes his credentials as as one who had been with Jesus and one who had watched Jesus suffer. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time coming back to this, but please understand that that Jesus is the focus of all of this. Jesus called himself the great shepherd. He used that imagery quite a bit, shepherd and sheep. And now Peter is saying, you as leaders of the church are to shepherd the flock among you. You are to follow Jesus' example. And Jesus is the chief shepherd. Elders or leaders of the church are under shepherds. It's like sheep leading sheep. Uh, I believe it was Scott who said that this week in our our elders meeting. Um, and, And so all of us are looking to Jesus as our example. And he overshadows everything that we do. But as Peter made this connection with Jesus and his sufferings, he was also making a connection with the church leaders back to chapter 4. Remember, there were no chapter divisions. This was just a letter flowing, and it would have made a lot more sense without the chapter division that he says, so let me speak to you as, as, as a fellow elder, as one who has observed, witnessed the sufferings of Christ. And, and remember back in, in chapter 4, Verse 17, he had talked about suffering all through that passage. And then he said, for it is time for the judgment of God to begin at the household of God. For the judgment to begin, for judgment to begin at the household of God. So he's saying this judgment which is to come on the house of God and which, by the way, is a purifying and a a cleansing judgment. It's not the corrective or the. Uh, uh, well, it may be corrective in nature, but it's not punishment uh, that he that was God was pouring out on his people. He was cleansing them and, and, and purifying them, making them more like Jesus. And Peter was saying that the judgment that will begin with the household of God will first fall on the elders. That's not explicit, but it's very clear that that's what he's saying in this section. The church is hit with persecution. The elders will be hit first. You believe that? Do you believe that the elders of a church are first and foremost the target, the pri- that they are the primary target of the enemy? Now, we're, we are not considered enemies of the state, but I promise you that all believers, all Christ followers 
are enemies of Satan. He hates us. And, and the elders, the leaders of the church and the deacons of the church, anybody who has any leadership position at all in the church, Sunday school teachers, home group leaders, anybody who is in a position of, uh, of leadership at all in any way in the church is squarely in the sights and in the, in the crosshairs of, uh, of, of Satan's weaponry. Especially the elders of the church. You know, in American churches, Leadership positions are often awarded to those who are successful in business, to those who contribute much financially and often who are open, very open about their largesse, to those with charismatic personalities and those who desire power and and consequently politic for their positions. Well, it's actually, it was that way in Peter's day too. I mean, human nature being what it is, it's always been that way. Even in the face of, of suffering, it was that way. So, and we'll talk about that, those wrong motives in just a few moments. But let me just ask you a, a, a question in, in light of the, the sobering reality of the spiritual warfare that is, that comes against the elders in particular, the leaders of the church. Are you absolutely certain that you want to be an elder? I mean, no wonder several New Testament passages encourage church members to support, to pray for, and to submit to the elders of the church, as verse 5 indicates. And no wonder in verse 4, Peter encourages the elders that, in, in, in saying that they will receive an unfading crown of glory if they lead well. But the primary focus of the text of this text is, is, is a charge to the elders to do that very thing, that they lead well. And so he is charging the elders, make sure in this time of suffering, when it's going to be extremely difficult with the persecution that is coming upon the church, that you are leading as you should. Elders are told to function as shepherds. And when a church is going through that period of suffering, in the case of the first century Asian churches, persecution, Asia Minor churches, persecution uh, was the was was the mode of suffering. In our case, physical suffering, uh, financial, vocational suffering, uh, emotional suffering, just to name a few. The kinds of suffering that we're going through, it's a time when our elders need to step up and shepherd the flock well. And you know, there's a strong statement when, when Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. He's saying that God has sovereignly brought this group together. We're a family. And you need to lead as you are leading members of your family. You need to have the same love, the same care that you would have for your own family because God brought these people together. You know, in the words of, uh, of a Rod Stewart song, song uh, years ago, and actually a song that was written by Van Morrison, Have I told you lately, Grace Community Church, that I love you? I do. I love you deeply. And I want you to know that I'm not alone in my love for you. I sense that every single time the elders get together. You cannot imagine the love that they have for you. 
They weep when you weep. They rejoice when you rejoice. There is a great deal of discussion and prayer and ways. How are we, just like Drew prayed a while ago, how can we minister to these people who are in need? That love is there among our elders. It, it seems quite natural for us, but it's a command of God and a charge to elders at all churches. And I hope you're not missing the point here that all the elders at Grace Community Church are pastors. When they show up at the hospital to visit you or when they call or send you an email to check on you, it's the same as if I'm doing it. I mean, it's, it's absolutely the same. That, that That's a study for another day from several other texts in the New Testament. But you can see even in this passage that Peter addresses the elders in, in, in various churches, not the elder in each church, but he addresses all the elders, all the leaders in the different churches. It's a high privilege to serve as an elder if God has gifted you and led you to do so. But Scripture talks much, much more about the enormous responsibility that falls on the elders than he does about the honor of serving as an elder and about how they will be judged far more closely and severely than others. When they stand before Jesus Christ, they are going to give an account for how well they have led. In fact, verses 2 to 3 eliminate many of the motives that lead many to seek church leadership positions in our day. And by the way, let me just say this. I don't have a sense that anybody in our church has sought a position of leadership for these reasons. So this is more preventative than it is anything else. It's just maybe a little tweak by the Holy Spirit to say, okay, check your motives, make sure you're right. Like I, I just have not sensed this at all at our church. But obviously, because of human nature, wrong motives were a temptation in Peter's day, even with the threat of persecution. Elders are not to serve under compulsion or because they feel like they have to or or if I don't do it, no one else will do it or because their wives want them to or because it's somehow expected of them. You should serve as an elder at our church. They should serve out of a sincere desire to fulfill God's will for their lives. They should not serve for shameful game. And with the amount of money that we pay the lay elders here at church, I know it's a great temptation for many of you. It's just like Stephen Eisenberg, who works with the Hope Project but spends a lot of time at, at church. It's so great to be able to fire someone and cut his pay in half and all of that. I mean, he doesn't really make anything. But, you know, it just sort of just sort of lets some steam off when you can say, all right, your pay's cut in half. Okay, we're going to double your pay today. You're doing well. So it, that's generally shameful gain is not a problem if you want to serve as an elder here. I can I can assure you. Do not use your position, Peter says, as an elder to domineer and dominate those under you. Can I say this? It, it would be an absolutely horrible reason for you to want to serve as an elder so that you can straighten things out in this church, so that you can bring some some some. Some sense of, uh, of order to what's going on around here. Look, we are called to be a group of men who are loving one another, loving you, holding each other accountable to, to serve and to lead just as closely as we possibly can to the way we would think Jesus, who is the head of our church, wants us to lead and how he wants this church to be led. We should serve according to God's will, with willing hearts. We should serve eagerly 
and as examples to the rest of the wonderful flock that God has so beautifully brought together and is known as Grace Community Church. You know, if God has brought us together as a family, please think long and hard before walking away from this church or even before reducing your amount of interaction with the people here. We're a family. Families are going to have problems. But we need to work through those. If God has called you to be here, then be here. Be here. If the elders are not leading to your satisfaction, please read Hebrews 13 this afternoon. And then ask God to make them the men and the shepherds that He wants them to be. Put that in the Lord's hand. Would you do that? You know, while this passage speaks mostly to the elders, verse 5 addresses the followers by saying that young men should submit to the elders. And really, this, this would apply to all church members. If their elders are leading as they should, I can assure you that it would scare them far more than it would excite them if the, if, if, if the rest of the church would just follow their lead. I mean, if they're serving as they should, and if they recognize that they're going to give an account to God, we better be leading the way that He wants us to, especially if everybody is saying, we're with you, let's go. It's an awesome responsibility to, to lead those who submit well to God's ordained leaders. Elders will give an account for, they lead, for how they lead. Others in the church will give an account for how they follow. It's just as dangerous to buck leadership as it is to lead with an arrogant attitude. There's just no place for either. All of us are called to get along regardless of our position and the way that we get all get along is through humility. I, I'm, I've written here, I would like to be honest. Let me just say I'm going to be honest. I really don't want to be, but I, I'm going to be honest and, and say that I've just had a hard time with humility lately. I, I have. I found myself uh, defensive, and, 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 and prideful. God has given me many opportunities to be humble. And, and, and I have just seen how very prideful that I am. And that's a problem. Because according to verse 5, God is inclined to the humble, but He opposes the proud. That means if we're proud, it's not that we're just, just that we're in opposition to God's plan and to God's will for our lives. He is opposed to us. And that's a problem. Humility is a choice that we make, albeit one that can only be achieved when Jesus' humility that we've been reading about through this entire book is flowing through us. We can't do this in our own strength, but it is a choice that we make every morning. In the same way that we put our clothes on in the morning, we are admonished to clothe ourselves with humility. What a great way to start the day. God, please dress me in humility this morning. And as I encounter different people, as I encounter different circumstances, cause me to be humble. Instead of being proud, instead of demanding my own way, instead of being defensive, instead of of just making number one, the most important. 
Maybe you're like me and getting a lot of opportunities lately to be humble. If so, thank the Lord. It would be far worse if he allowed us to stay in our state of arrogance, would it not? We don't want to do that. We don't, we don't want to be proud. And I'm telling you, there is a call for pride in our day. There is such a call, there is such a, uh, such pressure exerted on you to stand up strong and proud and don't you let people treat you that way and don't, and you deserve this and you, it's not the humility of Jesus and it's not the humility to which God calls us. As we've seen in First Peter in recent weeks, every successful family is made up of men and women and boys and girls who are humble, willing to sacrifice their own desires and preferences for the good of the group. Now, I know it may sound like um, I've set up our annual church business meeting to be one in which there are no questions asked and rubber stamp, you know, okay, it's what the elders want, this is what... That's absolutely not what I intend to do. And in addition to the fact that, that the elders are presenting this budget, many of you have had a, 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 a part in preparing this budget. And I'm just preaching the text and humility is always in order no matter the setting. Humility doesn't mean that, that everyone always acquiesces to something that that's wrong or that, that they don't express their opinion, but it does mean that we are to show deference and respect to all of God's people, one for another. All of us are to show deference and respect to each other. So in just a moment, we're going to stand and, and sing, Oh, come, let us adore Him. And if you are a visitor and you, and you really don't want you know anything to do with this, that's fine, slip out. But I don't see too many of you that I don't recognize. And uh, so, Stephen, get back there and guard the door or else your pay will be cut. Indeed. Again, yet again. So, um, um, but please, please stay. Let's stand.